you creative minds out there. We're starting this podcast a little differently because I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts recently and I realized some of them get formulaic. They say the same things over and over again and we were starting to do that and I don't like that because I don't want you guys to think anything in this podcast is ever ingenuine or not true. And this is Chad Hall. This is Random Badassery. And on the other end, you will hear the velvety tones of Lam Wen. Hello. <laughs> I felt like I needed to follow that somehow. <laughs> and in, insert the voice of Ving Rames here. Uh, yeah. Does he do voiceover? He should. I don't know if he does, actually. I don't, I don't really remember hearing his voice in anything other than movies in which I see his face. But yeah, he totally should. Yeah. He has a great voice. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, in in honor of our change in intro, this week we're going to do something a little bit different. We have little odds and ends that have been sitting around from other episodes, from things that we wanted to talk about in other episodes that uh, we never got around to. So this episode is just going to be a bunch of those little things, a little something different. We were getting ready for our next creative study, which we haven't even told you who that is, but it is the Cohen brothers. Uh, and we weren't ready. There's, there's, um, there's a lot to study when it comes to Cohen brothers and we just didn't feel prepared for that. So we're going to stretch it out another week and see maybe next week we'll be ready. If not, we'll do another episode like this because we never want to give you guys something that's half baked. So lamb, how are you today? My friend, um, I'm doing much better, um, considering the, the week that I've had, um, haven't shared with most, um, what, what I've been going through, um, for obvious reasons. You're, you're probably one of five people in the world that actually know what's going on. Um, but despite all of those things, I, I, I kind of use it as an opportunity to test myself and see if I could remain, um, positive and creative and forward moving. And in, despite how difficult things have been, um, I've been able to do that. So I'm pretty proud of actually, uh, proud of what I've been able to, to push through actually. So yeah, um, I feel pretty good. All things considered. It's a testament to the power of a mindset and choosing a mindset. You know, we talk a lot on here about choices and how most of the things that happen to us in life, most of the things that we succeed with in life are based on choices that we make, uh, which, which sounds, if you guys are new to the show, that sounds like you know, those things you've heard a hundred times, but I mean, like you literally choose the mood you're in. You choose how you feel. And Lamb is, I mean, do you want to elaborate? You don't have to elaborate on your situation, but elaborate a little bit more on how you chose the mindset and how, like how you were able to stay in it. Uh, it's funny. I, 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 I kind of went into it strangely. Um, I found a few things by accident and a few things on purpose. Um, how to create, you know, brain spaces for myself. Um, that's something we've talked about a little bit too, but I was, I caught a part of a, um, a, a recorded podcast by, by Joe Rogan with a guy who does hypnotism, um, and how, you know, how, how hokey and pointless magic was, well, not pointless, but how hokey magic was and was all just psychology and how, how to use, uh, certain aspects of human psychology to create mind states in people, um, and, you know, I thought, huh, interesting. I wonder if I could do that to myself. Um, so over the last 
five or six days, I've been kind of refining a process of creating a certain brain state for myself, you know, by listening to a certain song and then reading a certain passage and then doing these four physical things. And then I snap myself into a certain brain state. And um, when I first tried it, it was didn't work at all. Um, didn't really put me in any different of a space. Um, so I, I tweaked the process a little bit and the more I tweaked it, the more I found that it wasn't even about the process, but it was about believing that I was going to be in that state by the time I went through that process. Um, so I tried as best I could to, to kind of psych myself up to, to believe that my day was going to be better, um, or at the very least that I was going to be as good as I could be and the day would be whatever it was going to be. Um, and uh, after the second day, I started to feel a little better, and by the third and the fourth day... Um, I felt pretty content without really having to force myself into it. It was very odd. Um, and I feel like, I feel like that's, that's kind of what meditation is supposed to do. Um, and although I've not had that much success with meditation in the past, um, I feel like what I'm doing now is a form of meditation that really, really does work for me. So what that kind of tells me is that, um, it's not about whether meditation works or not. It's not about whether hypnotism works or not. It's not about whether creating a positive attitude or environment works or not. It's about finding the right process that will create it for you because it does work, but it has to work in the way that you want it to work. And, and therefore you have the responsibility as a person to try to find a way to create whatever steps it takes in order to, to achieve that positive mindset. Well, I would say even, even more so than it's finding the right process, it's creating a process that you believe, you know, because I think that's one of the most powerful yeah. things you said in there is it's actually the belief. It's not the process at all. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if you're if someone who has faith in science, you're probably going to lean more towards a process that, uh, is more scientific. You know, if you're someone who believes in, um, uh, witchcraft or something like that, you're probably going to want a ritual of some sort. Uh, it's, it's all, I think that's that's what it is, right? We're basically we're we're tricking our minds into a choice almost, right? It's like this is something I can have faith in. Or 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 for me it wasn't about tricking my mind because I, I've heard that before, you know, people saying that, you know, it's necessary to trick the mind. I think it for a person like me who's just almost logical to a fault, I think I think it was convincing my mind. Convincing my scientific mind. So yeah, I guess in a way that mm -hmm. is kind of tricking my own mind, but it was convincing myself that this would be the outcome if I did a certain thing. Um, so yeah, it wasn't trickery right. for me. It, it felt like I was having a conversation with myself and convincing myself that, that doing this thing would lead me to a certain other thing. And that's a testament to the ability to control our emotions and our states and not like a robot, but like a real person, you know, this is stuff we do every day. You know, when somebody's, when somebody does something that, uh, makes us angry, we choose to stay in that state of anger. You know, we continually re rerun if you actually pay attention, next time you get frustrated or angry, pay attention to what's actually going on in your brain. You're rerunning the incident through your brain over and over again. And the reason you're doing that is because you're trying to stay in that state. You're continually choosing to stay in that angry state. So you want to keep re replaying it in your head because that's what gives you that, that fuel to keep the fire burning. And sometimes you start exaggerating it and you start and adding to it and all these things. But we're continually choosing that state. And when, when it comes to creative projects in, uh, you know, when you, when you have something in front of you, like an idea for, we'll say a painting that seems daunting, 
we continually convince ourselves that we're not capable of doing those things. And then we become incapable of it. I mean, can you see for you having gone through this in something far bigger and far, um, far more important in your life? Can you see how applying that would work for you in a creative way? Oh, of course. I mean, it's, you know, Chris and I were talking about this last night and, you know, dealing what I've been dealing with and staying positive somehow means that most things in comparison are, are, are easy. Um, you know, convincing myself to sit down and write seems like such a trivial thing now compared to, <laughs> you know, compared to how difficult the, the other stuff's been. So yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, don't get me wrong. I, it's not that I wish difficulty or hardships on people in order for them to have some perspective, but, um, I think in, in a lot of ways, you know, what we, we say all the time on the podcast is that it's really easy to put things off. It's really to give easy to give yourself reasons to not do something. And, I know it sounds strange, but it's just as easy to make yourself do something or to feel a certain way. Um, it's about understanding the, the nature of the choice and being able to, to in the moment, decide, <clears throat> you know, I'm just going to lift up my hand or I'm going to open this door or I'm going to walk outside or I'm going to pick up this pen um, or I'm going to listen to a certain song or watch a certain movie. Those are all choices that are just as easy to make. I think in essence... For me, in in doing all of this stuff and figuring out the stuff that I'm figuring out, it's not about choosing to do things or not to do. I'm I'm sorry. It's not about choosing to do certain things. It's about choosing to act or not act, regardless of what it is. And I think that that is the key, um, at least for me, um, in how I've started to understand these things better and started to put them into more consistent practices. The choice to act, uh, the choice to do something versus to do nothing. Yeah, I think when even when we don't act... We convince ourselves that we're not making a choice, right? But the the choice to sure. the choice not to act, the choice not to to do something, it's a choice. Um, that inaction, though, it's, it's it's I think for me, like if I sit back for a couple days and I don't make any choices and I don't take any actions and I don't do anything, you know what I start feeling? I start feeling awful about myself. I start really just like eating eating away at my own self esteem. And I think that's, we're just born to move forward. You know, like that's, that's the way we, the way we're created. You know, for example, um, when you think about, we talk a lot about, uh, in, in society, we talk a lot about the past and how the past bleeds into our state of mind. But I think what's more, even more powerful than the past is the future. You know, we talked about goals in probably the last three or four episodes. I think that there's there's a strong argument that who we are and how we feel comes from looking forward, not from looking backwards. And if we feel like we don't have anything to look forward to, we don't have any goals, um, then we don't feel good. We feel awful. We feel uh, depressed. We feel like uh, our life has been a waste. Uh, We haven't really mentioned either of these things, but there has been a, a lot of... Um, very successful people recently who have been killing themselves. Um, Chester Bennington from Ugh. Lincoln Park and uh, Chris Cornell from Soundgarden, both friends of uh, of each other, um, both killed themselves. And that's from, I mean, I can't say that they weren't seeing something in the future, but I can tell you something that they definitely, the past wasn't helping them. You know, the, all the things that they had sure. accomplished, all the things that they had done, 
didn't mean anything to them in those moments. So that's that's a powerful thing. I mean, I, obviously, I, we, we're not going to go deep into psychology here because neither of us are psychologists and neither of us knew these men. But I would say that maybe at a certain point, you know, for both of them, they didn't see any anything to look forward to. That everything had become mundane. And, and it's not even just the, the, you know, monotony part, like there's, there's a certain, because I've, I've actually, you know, in, in my early years when I was studying through college, my, my specialization was psychology. And in doing some of the case studies that we did, it's, it's, it's interesting to hear what people say, like, you know, manic depressors or, or, you know, people with severe anxiety, um, would say about, um, the future, uh, because that's the toughest thing that they, in, in almost every case, that was the toughest thing. Um, they had a time conceiving of is a future in which the world was a better place with them in it. Um, you know, not just for, not just for the world in general, but for the people close to them, you know, they felt like their presence in the lives of the people that they cared about was more negative than it was positive. And it's really interesting to hear how thoroughly convinced someone with severe depression, uh, believes that, you know, how, how completely convinced they are that the world is a better place without them. Um, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. The inability to see a future in which the world is a better place with you in it is crippling. It's, it's, you know, in, in, in some cases it's, it creates suicidal thoughts or, 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 or turns a person into, you know, you can't, you just can't see the next day. You can't see, um, you know, the next two weeks or the next five days of your life. Like you just can't see it. You can't see the world outside of that, that moment and anything outside of that moment feels like it's not going to be, not going to be better with you in it. And that's, that's amazing. That's, that's not amazing. That's the wrong way to put it, but that's such a telling, that's such a, a, a telling thing when it comes to how someone, how someone sees themselves in the world. There was a years ago and this would be something that uh, I'm notorious for on this show, uh, mentioning things that I have no way of linking for you guys. But this is a book that I've, <laughs> I've, I've found many years ago. I don't know the title of it. I don't know who wrote it. And I've been looking for it ever since I've, I read it, and I've never been able to find it. But it was a book that somebody had loaned me of uh, – it was a, psycholo a psychologist who had collected a bunch of suicide letters, real suicide letters, and kind of an analysis – of what was going through the minds of these people uh, in the letter. Jeez. And what was consistent among all of these letters was complete obliviousness to the consequences of their actions, to the reality of their actions, and no visible ability to see the future, to see tomorrow. Uh, you know, they would say things like, you know, the reason for I'm doing this because blah, blah, blah. By the way, don't forget to pick up the dry cleaning. Like this, this whole um, reference to tomorrow as if tomorrow was going to be the same as yesterday, except that they would be dead. Uh, just crazy. an inability to, to see that, that consequence in that future. So I think one of the things we talk about and we've been really, really pushing this idea recently is the importance of creativity. The reason that we're doing this and the reason that uh, we want you guys to start making things, you guys listening is because having something even small, like uh, a piece of artwork, a song, um, a screenplay, something maybe you're just making for yourself. 
having that and working toward the goal of completing that, it gives you a future. It gives you a tomorrow. It gives you something to look forward to. It gives you something to work on. It gives you a sense of progress and a sense of accomplishment. And that changes your mindset. There's a lot of us out in the world, and I say us because Lamb and I are included, that struggle with being happy, that struggle with contentment, that struggle with all these things. And part of that process is we're not creating a tomorrow for ourselves. We're not giving ourselves achievable goals. Lamb has mentioned over and over again to you guys the idea of creating small goals and, and putting those out like breadcrumbs in front of you. Starting to make things is part of that. That's why we, we created this monthly challenge of, of creating things. And for those of you who didn't listen last week, we put out a challenge to all of you to start making things. Uh, every month we're going to put out a prompt of some sort, a word or a couple of words, and ask you guys to make a piece of art in whatever art form you choose. Even if it's not an art form, you know, if you want to code a program or something like that, that, but Take a picture of it, send it to us, and we're going to put it up on our Instagram, and we're going to celebrate the fact that you're creating something. This isn't to judge you. We want to help you guys start building that. So, And this month is mutation. So if, you, if you're not part of the monthly creative challenge, start there. It's, it's simple. You know, so Take five minutes and do a doodle. Lamb and I are doing it. Um, our friend Drew has already done one. Go to our Instagram. Go look at his. Um, we're gonna, I think we're putting one up today, right, Lamb? Yep, Carlos has done one as well. And, uh, yeah, a few of our – we've already had a few uh, of our Instagram followers and our listeners actually participate. So it's actually um, surprising considering that this is one of the first cha- – this is literally the first challenge we're actually putting out in the way that we are. Um, and it's already received uh, quite a bit of – quite a bit of support, um, which right. is incredibly encouraging and tells me that – Everybody wants to create. They just need someone to kick them in the ass and make them create. <laughs> I know right. I'm like that. I mean, if, if it weren't for the fact that you were in my life, I'd probably write about 90% less than I do. Um, but as it stands now, I still write a little bit every single day because I feel like um, I'm not living up to what I'm supposed to be with this podcast and what we're doing um, if I'm not creating myself. And it's always a struggle. You know, I, I I want you guys to understand something. When you come to this podcast, where we're proselytizing all the time, we're putting putting forth ideas and and talking about these things. But these, I mean, we are not perfect human beings, and we are not perfect artists. We're not perfect creators. Um, we we falter. We we hide from projects. We do all of the things that you do. We're learning this all together. The, the difference is we just happen to be the ones talking into the microphone. So this this challenge is a challenge to both of us too. You know, like I've 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 already felt the feeling of like, oh God, what am I going to do? Am I going to draw something? Oh, do I want to draw something? I've already gone through that process in my mind, and this is such an easy project. You know, I've had a few people. I reached out to a few of our friends. Um, to see if they wanted to participate. And I had a few people that, that had what is, I believe, a response of a lot of you out there is like, oh, well, I'll see if I can find the time. Seriously, guys, I'm just asking for a doodle. If that's all you have the time <laughs> for, just send a doodle. You know, it's, 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 I'm not looking, I mean, if you want to take the time and the commitment to create a masterpiece of art, please do. 
but this is this is you and you define what it is and you define how much time it takes and you define what it is the point is not for us this is for you the whole project is for you the us creating something ourselves that part's for us but the the whole thing of you creating your piece that's for you so enjoy it and participate. And I, I asked last week, I said, you know, like we need some of you guys to be leaders, to reach out to, to other people that you know that should be a part of this. Um, they don't have to listen to the podcast. You know, they would just want to take part in the creative challenge. Awesome. Have them create something and send it over to us on our many, many ways that you can contact us. Um, we had one person do that already, uh, Roxanne. And thank you for doing that. That was that was incredible incredible um post explaining why she was doing it and and what it meant to her and and calling out you know people to do it this is this is a i say it and lamb has said it this is how we change the world by creating things and making the world uh, recognize beauty and the importance of creation and all of these things that, that you learn to have a voice if you feel like you don't have one and if you already have one, you learn to craft your voice better. That's all. So we want you guys to make stuff. And going back to what we were talking about before I started talking about the creative challenge, by having a future, by having something to look forward to, even if it's just making a doodle every month. You know, I think is great about Roxanne's calling out of, of the, the, you know, the, the, the challenge and all that kind of stuff is that I, I think we as friends of people who are creative don't do that enough as we don't hold each other accountable to creating. I mean, we always, you know, see the the difficulties in, in someone's life and, and give them out to that or, or listen to the justifications because we can relate to them. And I think that, I mean, I'm not, I'm not in any way trying to disparage anyone's problems or, or underplay anyone's problems, but I think it's really, really easy to get with a group of people and justify why you can't do something. Um, you know, I, I, I think of the, the political situation, or I think of other situations in my life in which I've, I've, you know, been around a group of people who inherently believes the same thing. And I think it's really, really easy to fall into the trap of, you know, like, well, yeah, life's hard. I mean, life's hard for you. Life's hard for me. Life's hard for all of us. So, you know, if you don't have time to create, or if you don't make time to create, then neither will I, you know, and I think that, that, that what Chad and I do and, and what, people are starting to do along with us, you know, whether it's Roxanne or Drew or Carlos or any of our other creative friends is, you know, you know what? No, you've got time because I've got time. And, and, and if I can create some time to sit down for five minutes and bust out a pencil sketch on a napkin, um, in order to fulfill a certain challenge that helps to, to, to create momentum, then you know what? I'm going to do it. And I think that that's great. I think that that's, that's the, uh, the, the same exact thing that we all do in a way that is actually positive. So it's not changing your psychology or changing your process or anything like that, but it's the choice to do instead of not do. Um, and it's the exact same set of tools that you use to do either or. And I think that's amazing. You know, that reminds me um, what you said about us living in groups that can reinforce reinforce that uh, that belief. There, There's a documentary that I just watched few days ago maybe a week ago it's called glory days d-a-z-e um the life and times of michael alig and michael alig was uh some of you may be uh acquainted with what was referred to as the club kids um it was a, like a oh, new york yeah. club mm -hmm. club movement michael alig was the head of the club kids this is what happened in new york after the andy warhol era um 
and it was they were notorious for for dressing um purposefully awfully and strange and um uh, if you've seen uh what boy george looks like now with the the baldness and sometimes uh the bald head and the makeup and then sometimes he has like what looks like melted wax on his head that's kind of a in a way a reference to the club kids era where they would do things that were purposely uncool um but anyways there's a point in there where where somebody is talking about how new york used to be um during the club era because after the after this club era there obviously it didn't start out this way but it ended up being a huge drug thing and then there was a lot of crime, and then Michael Ailig was actually part of a murder. Um, so the, the, the scene just went nuts, and New York City and uh, Rudy Giuliani just eviscerated the club scene. And that's when lounges and all this other stuff came in. Um, but there was a guy in the documentary, I don't even remember who says it, but he's talking about New York and he, about how New York used to be. And he said, you know, before... You could walk in a stockbroker could walk into any club in New York and be welcome and sit down because he had his place just like everybody else had their place. He was the guy that had the money. So he's the guy that you wanted to do drugs with, you know, or whatever. <laughs> but he but he was welcome. You know, that was this guy's perspective, he says. But now if you go into uh, if that same stockbroker walks into a club, a hipster club in Williamsburg. Everyone in the place looks at him like, what are you, what are you doing there? And I think that that is, that is a perfect exemplification of the stratification of America, not only in our politics, but in our creative lives as well. If you look on, on Instagram and you look at artists, a lot of artists are following artists that make art that looks like their art. We're all living in these little bubbles. And the, the problem with those bubbles is exactly what, what Lamb said is when you live in that bubble, uh, you have no perspective on what you're doing. So when you live in the bubble, if you are, if you're someone who works in a coal mine, and yes, there are people who still work in coal mines, um, and all you are around is people in your town that work in the coal mine as well. Well, that's the bubble that you live in, right? And just because maybe in your heart you want to be a master cello player. And no one else around you does, or even knows what a cello is, or well, that's that's maybe that's a little too extreme, but maybe knows <laughs> knows uh, specifically the difference between a cello and a bass and uh, and a viola. How's that? And they don't know any. They couldn't tell you any any songs that are written for cello, but you know you know all that stuff because it's your secret love, but you haven't done anything with it. Well, being around people that are only in that coal mindset, you're never going to probably take that step because you're re reinforcing not doing it because sure. you're not stepping outside of it. And until you step outside of things, until you take an action, until you're forced to do something that you wouldn't normally do, something that feels a little bit uncomfortable because that moment of, of discomfort is when we start learning. It's when we start growing until you start doing that, you're just going to stay in your bubble, which means that all the problems that you have, including all the benefits, don't get me wrong, and all those comfort and security, um, those those illusions, all that stuff is not going to change. It's going to stay the same, and every day is going to be like the day before. 
because you you're when you live in a bubble, we we stop making choices because it's it's automated. Things become sure. habit, and that, that's it, not a that's not a good place for a human being to be. Is it weird that I'm reading uh, the Catcher in the Rye right now? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it just no, seems I think oddly it's, appropriate. <laughs> it's it's frighteningly uh, it, appropriate. It's it's weird how I, I didn't even intend to, to throw that in here. Even I just I just it I I cannot conceive of a conversation that you and I could have without physically mentioning Catcher in the Rye. That isn't more appropriate <laughs> to Catcher in the Rye. Ah, <laughs> uh, funny, funny, funny. Yeah, quintess- I mean, Catcher in the Rye is the quintessential novel of, of, of a person losing control, right? By by inaction or maybe not even inaction, just poor mindsets. I mean, how, how would you you're, – you're in it now. How is your mindset now well, interpreting I'm, I'm the just, book? I, I'm just diving into it again. Um, but I would say – you know what? And, and this is totally – Catcher in the Rye is one of those strange books where, you know, and I'm sure we've talked about Catcher in the Rye on this podcast any number of times, but, you know, so this is my five-year reading, as I do with this book, and I'm about three pages in, uh, so I haven't really started, started yet. I've just barely kind of knocked on the door briefly. Um, And I will say that this time around, it feels like, and this is definitely me relating my own life to it, is I feel like I'm a rubber band ball that has just had one too many rubber bands put on it. And I'm just about to completely snap and unravel all of the rubber bands. And I, I get the sense that, um, you know, Salinger, when he wrote this, at least in some way, now that I'm older, I can, I can understand the frustration of age creeping into this. Um, so I definitely feel like that's part of it too, as well as the, the frustration of inaction or the frustration of the wrong actions and inaction in the things that, that you want to do, um, creating a tension, a dynamic tension that has to eventually be released somehow or you lose your mind. And viewing it through the context of this particular conversation, I'm thinking about specifically about the scene, I think it happens actually more than once, where Holden is on the phone in a phone booth and he's pretending that he's been shot and that he's bleeding out of his gut. Now, what that screams to me is someone who is desperate for something to happen in their life. So desperate for something to happen in their life that they, they imagine dramatic situations, including being shot and bleeding out. And that's, and he's drunk uh, in the scene as well, which, which helps him go into that imaginary world but that's somebody whose whose life is is so devoid of choice that he makes mad choices including crazy imaginary choices and the thing about holden caulfield is holden caulfield is just a child he's i mean he is He's at the beginning of the journey. That's what's so, you know, there's been a lot of debate about whether he's mentally ill or not. And I don't think in the long run, the, the, the argument matters whether Holden Caulfield's mentally ill because the, the message is still the same. And the message changes actually every time you read the book, which is why I love that book so much because every time you read it, it, it does tell you something different. And right now I'm seeing that inaction in him. I'm seeing that, that inability to, to see a future, which is, I mean, if you're going to tell the story of a child and tell the story of a child who can't see the future, 
that might be the most depressing possible topic that you could ever cover. Because if it's one thing that children are good at, usually, is seeing the future. You know what's hilarious about that, too, is I, I remember early on when we, we mentioned Catcher in the Rye on the podcast, I, I was talking about how Holden was a punk um, and how my, my older self felt like he was just kind of, I don't know, I, 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 I did not have any real level of um, empathy for him, um, nor did I have any, any I, I don't know, I just I, I saw him as a, a, a little punk who just couldn't who just couldn't get himself together. And my reaction now, just reading three pages into it and knowing the story for what I do, my empathy for him is so much greater <laughs> considering where my life is. Um, so you're, you're, you're so right. I mean, it's, I, I, and I imagine, you know, Catcher in the Rye for what it is. I mean, I remember when I read it as a teenager, I really, I, I thought it was overrated. Um, and I, I could not be more wrong. Um, and the reason being that I think that you find bits and pieces of Catcher in the Rye in the time that you need them. And I feel like when I thought Holden was a punk, um, it was me needing to accept that that's, there's a part of myself that was like him when I was young and, and not regretting being that way. And now in my older age, I, I completely understand, um, you know, his, 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 his almost crippling paralysis when it comes to, to how, how predictable and, and choiceless his life is and what that would do to a human psyche if, if, in that environment for long enough, especially for a person who's young. You're right. I mean, for a person who's young, they're supposed to be vibrant and they're supposed to see a future and they're supposed to be enthusiastic and live with vigor. But what if you can't do that? What if you have all this pent up energy and all these pent up thoughts and this, this rampant imagination that had absolutely zero outlet? Well, I think in some way, shape or form, all of us have that in us. All of us have those things in us. And we convince ourselves throughout the course of our lives that we're not supposed to, to have those things anymore. You know, we're not supposed to, to, to live as free or as, as brave or, or have our imaginations run parts of our life. Um, you know, we always have to be under control and, 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 and in, in charge of what our lives are. But I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's not, sometimes, sometimes the chaos is what you need. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's, that's, it's, it's, it's very clear to me now that there is no wrong interpretation of this book. Um, you just interpret it the way you need it, uh, in the time that you, in, in the time that you read it. And it's, it's funny how 200 pages worth of literature can have such different perspectives leaning towards it in different points of your life. It's very, very strange. Though, though it had a huge impact on me at the age that I read it, I would say in some ways having high school kids read Catcher in the Rye is a mistake. I agree. Because while 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 the book is about a child, we cannot forget that it's written by a middle aged man. Yeah, <laughs> and it, it's the story of a child, but the story of the child is about middle age. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really what he's talking about. I mean, it, like you said, it's it's interpreted in many ways, and it's it's beautiful because it can be interpreted in so many ways. But at its core, it's the story. It's it's the story of Salinger. I mean, we put ourselves into every book we write. So what is Salinger saying about himself? And one of the, one of the big things, the reason this is not ruining anything for those of you who unfortunately have not read this book, which you should do. Um, 
one of the the reasons or the reason that the book is titled what it is is because of a dream that Holden Caulfield has that he's standing in front of a cliff in a field of rye and the child there's children running towards him running towards the cliff and he is catching them and stopping them from falling off the cliff the cliff being the loss of innocence that's not something a child dreams <laughs> that's something a middle-aged man dreams uh, something a middle-aged man looking back at his life looking back at regrets and wanting to save other people from going down the same path as him, wanting to catch them before they fall, and hoping that if you can stop people from falling off into the loss of innocence, that they can somehow live in this uh, Eden. You know, this is the same within in the Bible, the, the idea of Adam and Eve and the Garden of Eden, right? Living in paradise and then the fall. It's the same metaphor. That, that some idea that if you can stop people, that they can live in that that perfect place. But that perfect place, I mean, what is it? It's it's it doesn't exist. It's so funny that you say that, though. I mean, I I I don't. I want to know why that book was chosen for teenagers. Um, and I mean, it, maybe it was some misguided attempt at. at at finding a, a book that's relatable to teenagers that, at that age. But that's probably why, you know, I when I read it as a teenager, I didn't think it was that good because I didn't understand what the heck I was reading. Because, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I, I when I first read Catcher in the Rye, I was like, well, I mean, it's okay, you know. I, but but that's that's not that you can't blame that on the person reading it. That it the person reading it just wasn't. I didn't have enough life experience to be able to relate to the deeper metaphors and the stronger themes in that book. Um, so yeah, I agree. I don't think I don't think you should be. I think you should be forced to read um, Catcher in the Rye between the ages of twenty eight and thirty. <laughs> if we were to give people reading lists for the rest of their lives. Um, these are the books. That's the book you read when you're, when you, when you're, you know what? You should read that in the year that you're going to be 30. And then again at 40 and then again at 50. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the book that I was, I also think it's the book that parents should pick up after their kids leave the house. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Perfect book for an empty nester. Like, what do I do with my life now? You know, and the, it's oh, not going to give so you, a, yeah. it's not going to give you a solution. Obviously there is no solutions in that book. Well, what sure. it's going to give you is just a, a great relation to a wonderful piece of, of of art. And so if we were to imagine, you know, being able to snap Holden Caulfield out of that situation, I mean, I, I think that's that's really, if you want to define what this show, what this podcast is, is the attempt to stop Holden. You know, that's, that's the, that moment. I mean, that choice between Holden continuing where he's continuing uh, on this path mm -hmm. or bringing him out of that. That's what I think this show is. We're trying to be that fork in the road. We're trying to sure. divert people, trying to stop them from being afraid of falling off that cliff because maybe sure. that cliff isn't the loss of innocent. Maybe that cliff is action, making a choice every day. Mm. I, who knows? I hope so. Otherwise, I wonder what we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, no, I wouldn't doubt that. I mean, in, in no small way, I mean, if, if, 
if if it affects no one else in our respective lives, which I don't think that's the case. I mean, I think our, our podcast has had some effect on some people. I mean, I'm just assuming that, and that's probably a little arrogant of me to assume, but the only reason I, I say that is because of the people who have who have talked to me about the podcast, people who have, you know, uh, mentioned that they've heard it and thought it was fantastic, um, which, thank you all, I mean, I still have difficulty accepting that, <laughs> just because I feel like it's just Chad and I speaking artistic truth to each other, and I guess that that, that is in its own way, um, helping, helping people more than I realize. But I think if it doesn't affect anyone else, at least it's affecting you and I, and it's affecting you and I in, in ways that I don't think either of us have fully contemplated yet. Um, and it's not just artistically, but it's also given us, you know, that, that thing that we, we, we say that all people need, which is the ability to see a future, um, the ability to see a path in which we're doing something that has meaning or, or, or use, you know, and, and in no small measure with the things that we're doing, it's, it's our ability to see that we're creating some good in this world and helping people to find paths to creativity that they probably wouldn't have found otherwise, or they would have found later, um, or without as much clarity. Um, so, I mean, from that perspective, I feel like, you know, I, I feel like we're, we're, I, I feel like Catcher in the Rye and what we're talking about and what we're trying to achieve here with the podcast is something that we can't think about, you know, like with, with you and I, like, I, I know that we have the intention of helping people, but we can't consistently think about whether it's helping people or not. We just have to do, um, you know, I think about Salinger as he's writing Catcher in the Rye. And I wonder if while he's writing it, he's thinking about helping people, you know, if he realizes what kind of profound societal effect Catcher in the Rye is going to have. I, and I, I can't say, I can't say, I, I think that he would, I, I, I doubt that he would, you know, no one can ever really imagine or conceive of the the, prof, the the level of profoundness, or is it profundity? I don't know what the word is, but how profound in a, of an effect their work is going to have on the world. And I think from that perspective, for both you and I, like we don't know what our effect is, good or bad. We don't know how far reaching our voices are or what um, what our voices will do when they finally reach those that, that need those voices. But that that won't change how we do this or whether we do this. We do it because it's what we do. And we do it because somewhere, at least for me, somewhere in the back of my mind, I always think that anytime we, we sit in front of our microphones that we're doing good for the world. Well, what's, what's important to recognize too, is, I mean, that's our, for our future that we're looking into, right? You know, sure. that's the thing that we look forward to is we look forward to making making a difference. That's why we put this work in. And somebody pointed something out to me the other day that I had never, ever heard before that, uh, I mean, it was, I'll just share it. They said that there's a part of ourselves, um, you know, the same part of ourselves that wants us to make no choices, that wants us to stay the same, that 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 is afraid of the future, that's afraid of everything. That part of ourselves doesn't want us to acknowledge that we make a difference in other people's lives. Because when you mm -hmm. acknowledge those things, then that means that you can make a difference, that you are important, that you do things that matter. And that's not to say that you are important and do things that matter to the exclusion of others, others, but that we all are, that we all can make a difference. And when we stop acknowledging that we have made a difference, when we know that we have, uh, we are feeding that dark side of ourselves. We think that we are, um, 
we're being humble, but in fact, we're, we're denying ourselves the ability to believe that we can change the world. So I'm going to say something, and it's, this is not ego-based. We have made a difference, Lamb. I know we have. People have told us things that we have done that have helped them, and I'm glad because we put a lot of work into it, and that is our goal. And to know that at least at some points we have achieved that goal, that's worth recognizing. So I'm going to toot our horns right now, as our friend Carlos would do. Toot, toot. <laughs> if, I doubt he's listening, but if he's listening, he is laughing really hard right now. Uh, that was his little that was his little joke thing. But I think I encourage everyone out there listening to do the same. Recognize the places that you have you've made a difference. It's you don't even have to tell other people just for yourself. Recognize it. Write it on a piece of paper. Like hey, this is that, you know going back to actually the, I didn't even mean to bring this up again, but. My nightly inventory. Uh, was that two episodes ago? I can't yeah. remember. Um, I talked about the questions that I asked myself at the end of the night. Lamb shared um, the questions that he goes through as well. Just kind of doing a mental inventory. I know there's a, a lot of new listeners. I encourage you to go back, listen to like the last, at least the last two episodes. You get an idea of what we're talking about. But one of those questions is, what did I do for others today? And that's acknowledging that you can make a difference. Even if it's something simple, like there was an old person walking through the door of Starbucks and I held the door for them. That might be insignificant to you because you're like, I just held the door, but who knows what impact that had on that person's life. Maybe, you know, they're 85 years old and they think that they're invisible because ageism is real people. Um, and no one has paid attention to them for the last month. And you open the door for them. And maybe that's just a little spark of hope of their humanity that you, you reignited. Who knows? But it, by recognizing those things, that's why it's important to to categorize. I mean, to categorize, to catalog those things, you know? Make a list of, of the changes that you've made in other people's lives. What did you do for other people today? Were you thinking about other people today or were you wrapped up in yourself? And that's a lot of the problem with, you know, being able to see the future too. Is we get so wrapped up in ourselves that uh, we overanalyze ourselves and we start, you know, like the, like HIV is the immune system devouring the body, its own body, right? I mean, not HIV, AIDS, um, is the immune system devouring the body. That's what we do when we're too wrapped up in ourselves. We start devouring ourselves. So, you know, living inside of yourself and not thinking about other people, that's the AIDS of the mind. So you need to give yourself an injection every day, and that injection is an acknowledgement of things that you do for others. And then somewhere in there, you're going to learn to start thinking about other people. And this relates to creativity as well. One of the, the worst things that I see in the art community is this competitiveness and this, um, you know, not wanting other people to succeed um, because maybe they'll take all of the success. They'll, you know, like success is this um, this one plant and that person is <laughs> going to take all the fruit off the plant and there won't be any fruit left for you. So you're, you're talking about success. You're talking about success berries, basically. <laughs> yes. Smell buds success and success berries. berries. Okay, good. Fantastic. <laughs> um, but 
think think about that. You can see that everywhere. You know, not just in in the creative world, but that's specifically what we we pay attention to in this show. I see it all the time. You know, artists um, passive aggressive actions on Instagram, and, and you know, like choosing not to like a certain picture, or you know, or or assuming that somebody's choosing not to like your picture, or whatever. There's this drama and all this stuff that we create, and it's just ugly. If, for example, we've mentioned multiple times on this podcast that there is another podcast that does very similar to what we're doing called Originality, except that it's run by two women. And if we were in that mindset, I, I would never mention them and I would never um, listen to them because I wouldn't want them to have the downloads. And then when they're well, when I was done with the episode, I wouldn't like it on Overcast because I wouldn't want them to beat us in the in the charts on Overcast. But that's bull. That's just ugliness. You know what? I want you guys to listen to their show, and I want you to listen to our show. Because what we really want to do here is inspire you to be creative. And if if they can do that as well, then we just give you a double injection instead of a single injection. I'm totally cool with that. Yeah, that's a great and podcast, too, for anyone who hasn't heard it. Yeah. And while we're at it, too, if you guys haven't listened to Creative Confidants, they, they're another great one. Um, two, two guys, um, talking about creativity, different perspective, a lot more focused on film and Hollywood, um, where both of them are kind of, they're involved. Wonderful podcast. They actually precede us. So creative confidence was around before us, then came us and then came originality. Those are the three main creative creativity podcasts that I know of, um, that are sp- focused on the subject of creativity, but um, many, many podcasts obviously deal with creativity, but Hey, go listen to those two guys. Uh, those two other shows, guys, they're, they're great. And if they help you, they help you. But that's, that's the mindset we have to be in is being able to acknowledge the difference we make, but then also being able to acknowledge other people. Uh, don't be, don't be ugly. It just makes you uh, a crappy artist really. Yeah. And you know, you know, after that episode we did on um, on uh, on the nightly inventory and talking about our process, you know what I realized about about us and 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 what we do with this podcast is that every single day we're doing something with this podcast, and so by extension, every single day, at least in my mind now, I feel like we're doing something to help people. You know, I don't think anyone realizes um, how much work goes into a podcast unless they've done one, <laughs> especially yeah. one like ours where where. You know, we're there are so many different subjects that we cover. There's so many different things that we do um, that it's 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 really tough to. I mean, I take the Cohen Brothers episode we're about to do, for example, right? Um, have you ever, if, if anyone who's watched a Cohen Brothers movie understands the the level of depth that you have to go into to really understand where the Coens are coming from, you now have an inkling of what it's like to try to do the research to do an episode on them. Um, and, you know, I for, for a lot of people out there, a lot of people don't see this, so I'm just going to throw it out there now so everybody knows. Um, Chad and I talk about the podcast every single day. Uh, in some small form, we're doing something for it every single day. And sometimes it's big things that we're doing um, on a day-to-day basis. But there's there's not been a single day that's gone by over the last six months where Chad and I don't correspond about the podcast, work on something related to the podcast, or physically do something that we're going to share with the podcast. <laughs> and right. 
I, I keep thinking to myself now, like with the nightly inventory, you know, what did I do to help people today? Well, this is helping people. You know, the amount of work that we do helps people. You know, the, the number of, 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 you know, one of the, the, the thousand people that download this episode from episode to episode, at least one of those people is getting something out of this. And so from that perspective and, and from, you know, it, I don't think Chad and I really take stock of that either much. You know, I, I know I didn't really take stock of it uh, uh, until I was sitting in my bathtub yesterday trying to look for an image for, for this particular episode. Um, you know, I, I was thinking to myself like that. Th- I, I do this every day of my life. And even if I do nothing else artistic that day, I was creative in how I figured out what I needed to do for this podcast and how, how I was trying to help people. And that's such a liberating feeling to know that something like this has given me almost no option to not be creative or help people. <laughs> and another thing that uh, we do every day that's, that's kind of new that's worth mentioning is we've been playing around with the Instagram stories a lot. Uh, I think we're getting, we're getting a little, we're having a lot of fun with it. You and I, I am basically lamb and I are asking each other questions on there. Just um, like, I think today is I asked the question today, I think. Yeah. So yeah. I'll ask mm-hmm. lamb a question and then he'll answer. And then the next day we reverse it. He'll ask me a question and I answer really simple thing, but, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun for us, which, you know, we're putting stuff out there into the world, whether, whether that matters in the long run or not, it's about action. It's about having something to look forward to every day, something to think about every day. And, um, maybe, you know, the last, after the last episode, Lamb and I had a little bit of conversation about how to really start like making things. We're always looking for ways to improve this and make it better because, I mean, we really are dedicated to getting you guys into the creative mind space and finding you any tool, any technique, anything we can to improve that, which also means reevaluating our methods, going through many, many, many different ideas. Um, so, I mean, we, we kind of made four agreements last week that we were going to do the daily, every day we we're going to do the questions. We also both agreed, um, to take part in the monthly challenge so and pushing the monthly challenge, not just putting it out there, but actually going out and even reaching out to people who aren't listening to the podcast, like exactly what I asked you guys to do. We're doing that ourselves, reaching out to people and getting them involved. Um, also, we've been going back and we've been listening to old episodes and like re- redoing the notes, like making, you know, just... For one thing, to add to the description of the episodes, so the description of the episodes are more accurate to what's talked about in there, but finding things that maybe we brought up in the past that we touched on briefly that maybe require either a revisit or maybe require more depth so that we can make this podcast not just, hey, listen to this episode and, you know, this is a good place to start. Like, no, we want this, the whole thing to be a continuous conversation so that they, they, feed each other and that they the episodes add to each other in a way that makes them more than the sum of their parts and uh the last thing that we agreed to do was to sit and think just think about the podcast for a half hour every day 
to think of ways we can improve it, to think of things we can do, just to think about the state of it, whatever thought that is for the day. We're spending a half hour every day just thinking about it. And you know that that has, even for me, it's transformed uh, something that was already progressing and something that was already, uh, I felt was doing well. It's already, it's moved it into the next level for me. That uh, it's upgraded it. Yeah, which is why, which is why, you know, for when, because we had both Chad and I realized yesterday that we weren't ready for the Coens. And I think because both of us were in that space where we're just constantly thinking about the podcast, I wasn't even worried about not having a subject for today. There's so much stuff that you and I want to cover. Um, and so many things that we've had kicking around um, in that that collection of things that we wanted to talk about when it came to creativity um, that, you know, the, the, the half hour every day thing just basically helped to rinse and repeat a bunch of that stuff back up to the surface. Um, like, for example, I wouldn't even be reading Catcher in the Rye if I hadn't heard it. Um, I think it was episode four that we did um, in the new format uh, where we mentioned Catcher in the Rye for the first time and the effect that that it has on you at different ages. I, I, I wouldn't have picked the book back up if I hadn't done that. So um, absolutely. I think that it's, it's, it's fascinating how much activity begets activity. <laughs> well, yeah. See, like, for example, I was listening to episode one, the, the Murakami episode, and you were talking about, you were in the middle of 10 Q 84. Um, it's 10 Q 84 or one Q 84. One Q. I think it's one Q 84. Yeah. 1Q84, sorry. 1Q84, I was like, yeah. that, that's one too many digits right there. Um, <laughs> and you were talking about how there was two separate, um, two very separate narratives. And you were curious about how, when you get further in the book, how the two of them were going to collide. And I thought, I'm like, hmm, we never found out. We never, we never, you found out, obviously, because you finished the book, but we as the audience never found out. So finding sure. all these little loose ends. Like right now, would you like to tell us how that worked out? Oh man, I, I feel like I feel like a jerk. Um, for you don't remember? For, no, it's not that I don't remember. I didn't finish the book, man. Hmm. I know. So 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 that prompts so that prompts me to you know why? It's because I, okay, Murakami. Let's let's talk about Haruko Murakami for a second. Um. He writes in a style and a pace that is very, I, I assume, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, but I assume that it's, it's very culturally based. Um, so there's a speed to it that's very different from what one would expect to read from, from American or even English literature. Um, and so the, the, there are times in my life where I don't have the patience to read Murakami because there's so much detail um, and, and the pace is so slow that I have difficulty not trying to get ahead of myself when it comes to the narrative. So I got about 200 pages deep before I, I, I just slammed on the brakes and said, you know what? I'm not ready to read this right now because it's just infuriating. And that's not, that's not the book's fault. That's my fault for not being in the right mindset to read it. Um, so actually, no, I haven't, I haven't finished that book yet. Um, but now that you've brought it up, I should probably finish it sometime in the near future. Cause now I'm curious as to how it ends and I need to, to figure that out. Plus I'd also really like to, to tell people, um, about it too, as well, because what I've read so far, and it's weird because Murakami uh, is usually very critically touted. Um, but 1Q84 got 
as much negative praise or I mean not negative um, as it did positive when it came to praise so I'm I'm actually thus far liking it a lot because it's very different from anything else that he's written um, but I'm very curious as to see where it goes it's funny that that you would we'd be talking about this I didn't even realize it when I brought it up but in that same episode I talked about how it took me two and a half years to read Don Quixote and <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a long book, but I mean, it's not that long. It is long. a long book. Yeah, it is brutally uh, long. But it took me that long to read it just because I the whole time I was reading it, I was in the exact mindset you're describing now. I was not in the right mindset for that book. And as a consequence, I finished it, but I did not enjoy it. Sure. I didn't enjoy it at all. I got to the end of the book, and I'm like, this is considered to be the greatest novel ever written? No. And I still debate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but read it. Read it in twenty years from now, and it still may not be the best novel ever written. But you will you will have a very different feeling about it. Like I read it, I think, in a time in which um, I very much needed that kind of narrative storytelling, um, and the metaphors kind of hit more home for me than they probably would have for someone who wasn't in that brain space. Um, so I actually like Don Quixote. Of course, I haven't read it since I was like twenty four or something like that. So it's been over a decade since I've even looked at that book. But I remember liking it much more than than you did um, in the time that I read it. There's a there's a book called My Ideal Bookshelf, and actually, if you guys can find a hard copy version of it, pick it up. It's it's pretty awesome. Basically, uh, it's two people. Um, they found artists and um, and I mean, like, from artists you've never heard of to uh, actors that you've seen in movies and artists that you have heard of, um, and ask them what their ideal bookshelf looks like. You know, what books, if you only had, like, one bookshelf, you know, 10 to 15 books or whatever were on it, what would those 10 books be? And then ask them to kind of explain a little bit, but without going into super depth. And then the other person would draw uh, the mm-hmm. bookshelf. Um it's a really cool book. But what I noticed in reading that book is Don Quixote comes up a lot on people's ideal bookshelves. Yet, almost every person that mentions that Don Quixote is on their ideal bookshelf says that they didn't finish it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't finish the whole thing, but Don Quixote, blah, blah, blah. And part of me thinks that that's just BS. You know, that they, they, they're put it on the bookshelf because they think it's supposed to be on the bookshelf. But who knows, you know, maybe it's just that it's that dense and it's that hard that people realize the value of it, but they just can't get through it. Kind of like what you were describing with 10Q84. Sure, sure, sure. Although I don't, I mean, obviously from what I've read of 1Q84, it's not as as literarily um, important. Well, I don't know. Maybe it will be. I don't know. Um, You can never tell with such things. Um, But yeah, I mean, there are certain artists or certain certain pieces of art that belong in the pantheon, whether or not you like them. Um, like, you know, I think Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen fits that, or like, uh, the prophet song from Queen or like paranoid Android from Radiohead or, um, you know, saving private Ryan from, from Steven Spielberg or, you know, um, the seven samurai by, um, Kurosawa. I mean, all of these are, are, are amazing pieces in, 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 and, and, revolutionary and, and milestones in art, but 
doesn't mean you have to like him. <laughs> you know, I, like yeah. I thought, I thought the Seven Samurai was amazing, but I, I have a friend of mine, Ken, who's a fantastic film guy. He is one of the most knowledgeable film buffs that I know. He said didn't like it that much. You know, said it felt a little manufactured for him, and it was, it, it was just Kurosawa um, using a bunch of 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 tricks that he wanted to turn into tropes in the Hollywood world um, or the movie making world for his legacy to live on. And I could kind of see that perspective, um, you know, looking back on it. So yeah, just because it's revolutionary and groundbreaking doesn't, that doesn't mean that you have to like it. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, and there's a certain level of cultural literacy that even if you don't like it, uh, there are certain things. I mean, if you're, if you, if you want to be a quote unquote, literate person you know whatever you want or educated person whatever they're both pretentious uh, ideas that one person uh deserves credit for something more than the other but if that's a goal of yours yeah whether you like them or not you're gonna have to read them you're gonna have to read alexander alexander pope's super long and not very fun to read poetry uh you know Mm -hmm. you're gonna have to read you're gonna have to read uh the Odyssey. You're going to have to read yeah. uh, the Iliad. There's just certain yeah. things you're going to have to read. And, you know, it's like a being Tale in of school. Two Cities. Yeah, A Tale of Two Cities, Scarlet Letter, Romeo and Juliet. I mean, all the standards, man. <laughs> and I don't. I, honestly, I don't think any of them are bad to read. Um, just because, it, for what they are, they're just. You know what they are? It's like a sampler plate. Um, where you get basically two or three bites of every appetizer, um, and you can decide from the sampler plate whether or not you want any of the entrees. It's the same kind of thing. Like, I, I know that, that Romeo and Juliet, for example, is a very easily accessible piece of Shakespeare. Um, you know, most of the other stuff that, that Shakespeare, and I, I love Shakespeare, so I mean, there's, there's a, there's, there's a special place in my heart for, for, for that stuff, but, um, that's an easy introduction. You know, it's, it's a relatable story for a teenager and it's a, it's, it's one of the less complex stories. It's one of the more straightforward stories in, in the, the, the Shakespeare collection. So I get why the books that are in the, the required reading list for high school and college are what they are. Um, and sure, some of those, those works are, are fantastic and, and pivotal. Um, actually I'd say they're all pivotal in whatever way that they are. Um, but you know, the older I get, the more I realize that I don't have to like—I don't have to like anything. Um, if I want to be picky about my art and, and like certain things for certain reasons, then I'm allowed to do that. <laughs> right, and that's one of the difference between entertainment and art. Entertainment is judged on whether people like it or not. Art is not. Art is something that you confront. Art is something that you deal with. Something you digest. Sometimes you like it. Sometimes you don't. Some people think Jackson Pollock is a joke. Some people think he's a genius. But either way, you have to confront, you have to deal with his art. Uh, same with Andy Warhol. Some people don't, you know, the whole mass production of, uh, of a piece of artwork. You know, some people think that's ridiculous. And some people think it's brilliant. And it's, but either way, if they're going to uh, talk about the art world, they have to confront Andy Warhol. And when it comes down to it, understanding things and, and watching things, reading things, listening to things, it's not necessarily about always about finding things you like. Sometimes it's just about the invitation to the conversation. Sure. And that, that can be literally 
um, invitation to the conversation of the next time that somebody's talking about that, you can take part in the conversation because you've read it. Even if you didn't like it, you can still talk about it. But it's also the conversation of, of history and of, of the history of art. At the very least, too, it allows you an entry point into that conversation that you wouldn't have had otherwise. Like I know, um, you know, when I when I talk to, I won't mention the person, but I, I just had this conversation two weeks ago with somebody um, about you and I, actually, because um, there's someone who, who has, has listened to a few episodes of the podcast. And what they said was any time that they've hung out with you or I, um, we go off on such deep dives into literature, music, or movies that they feel like they have absolutely zero entry point. Um, you know, because you and I, 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 I'd like to think that we're well, well read, well versed, and well watched. You know what I mean? So we, we, we go deep, deep, deep into a lot of our references. And I think that doing what you're describing, you know, watching certain movies or, or, or reading certain books or listening to certain songs, um, and consuming them in, in, in a, a voracious and consistent way allows you to not only enter the conversation, but to further your own conversation about these things. You know, each of these things is supposed to be a catalyst in some way for awakening your own imagination. And, you know, for example, if you've never listened to Hyperballad by Bjork, then when we talk about how interesting the lyrics are to that song, you won't know what we're talking about. But if you have heard the song and you do know a little bit about the lyrics, it then allows you an entry point into a conversation with someone who might know something about something else that may come out in that conversation. So the point is that the more you consume of, of the, the, the creative world, the more it allows you to be able to relate to other people in that creative way and allows you, it allows you a perspective and an ability to learn things that you wouldn't have been able to learn otherwise. And that's, that's pretty cool. There's a book that I'm reading right now called how to talk to anyone, which sounds like some crazy self-help book, but it's actually a very, very fascinating book. Um, everything that we're mentioning here that we talk about more than just for a second is always in the show notes. If you're new to the show, um, how to talk to anyone, this, this woman, I, I can't remember her name right now. It's, it's, I think it's Leal, um, which is not a name that I've heard before. Um, <laughs> she, she, she talks about how, Oftentimes when, when we approach conversations, and this made me think of you and I, that maybe we are not the best conversationalists. Um, because when, when you talk about things, uh, if you, if you are inclusive, then you, you give people those handles. Um, you give people those, those ends into the conversation. Um, I think we do a decent job of that on this show where you and I are always pulling back the reins a little bit <clears throat> and explaining things to people who may not know exactly what we're talking about, but maybe we need to do that in our personal lives a little bit more. Um, but one of the things that she says that has really stuck with me is this idea of when people meet each other, you know, like the worst question you can ask somebody is, um, what do you do? Because it, I mean, that doesn't really, nobody really wants to talk about work. Now they might want to talk about what they're passionate at, at their work, or why they why they're in the field that they're in, but usually that question does not lead to that conversation. It usually just leads to an answer. You know, what do you do? I'm a lawyer. Oh, that's nice. And like nobody knows where to go with that, right? So, for example, she says, uh, if you're a good conversationalist, and somebody says, where are you from? And I said, I'm from San Jose. 
Well, that doesn't tell you very much. So now the conversation's it's dead already, right? But if mm-hmm. I was a generous conversationalist, I would say, I'm from San Jose, heart of the Silicon Valley. Biggest, one of the biggest, actually one of the biggest cities in America that most people have not heard of. Uh, you know, like give them a little bit that they can chew on so that they can reply. And then you're starting a conversation by giving people an in. You know, you know, I agree for that. I would agree with that for the most part. But I think the difference for you and I is that we don't have a whole lot of people that we can speak to with this level of depth about art. So we're just trying to get it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, that's true. But at the same time, you know, like we, there's ways to, you know, say, you know, we're talking about something and then turn to the person who maybe hasn't read the book that we're talking about and just give them a quick synopsis so that they sure. can just kind of that's jump true. in. That's you know, true, but yeah. these, these, you know, just going back to maybe um, without us intending to steer into this direction in some way, maybe it goes back to, you know, what have we done for others today? Oh, we, we were conscious of the fact that there was somebody sitting with us who doesn't know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> And that might uh, seem really, like a small thing, but for that person, that might be a big deal. Oh, man, I, I really like this episode because I, there are definitely – and this, I've heard it from more than one person, which is – this is why the pang of this is so true to me right now. Like even Crystal's told me that. It's just like there are times where you and I just get going or if we add a third person like Brandon or Colin or somebody and we just start blasting at full speed um, – you know, I, I I remember Crystal described a conversation that you, me, and Colin had once um, while we were at that, at Sarah's house, um, where there was just no way any normal person was going to dive into that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were making references to '80s bands and how they they you know obscure '80s bands and how they were working with certain directors at the time in New York. And I remember her 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 bringing back up the conversation and trying to just. She said that we could have just been making it all up and she wouldn't have known otherwise <laughs> because there were so many weird references to so many things that were so obscure. And not only not only were they obscure, but we had intimate knowledge of them despite how obscure they were. <laughs> so, so yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, I think that in the long run, I think you and I, even in doing this podcast, I think we've gotten much better at allowing people entry points um, and, and being able to use the entry points for them to be curious without being intimidated. And I think that's the biggest thing that, that I got from, you know, all of these people who have, have described our patterns of conversation, um, both between you and I and you, me and someone else, where it goes it goes so fast and so in depth that it just feels intimidating. And that's what I don't want anymore. You know, I, I have a feeling that's, that's, that's part of where you're going with this uh, when you're describing how to have a conversation with anyone too, is that I don't want people to feel scared to talk to me anymore about things that I know something about. If it, in fact, I want the opposite of that to be true. You know, I want people to, to feel like I'm, I'm a repository for knowledge that they would want or, 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 or facts that they would be interested in to, interested in to help them further their understanding of something that I happen to care about, you know? So that might be something that both of us really need to practice. And that's one thing that like for me, maybe I haven't put to put into words yet, but this podcast is, I mean, the goal of this podcast is to change the world, right? To, I, I've been working on a new tagline for us because I want to maybe make <laughs> stickers, stickers with a QR down co- download or something like that. Right. And I, I've been playing with this idea of, uh, make, 
learning to make the world a better place. One draft, one uh, doodle, and one ditty at a time. And but the, the point there is that's a goal, you know, that's a why. But that why is not just for this podcast. That's not something I just want when I sit in front of this microphone. That's what I want always. So I have to find ways to do that in my life that don't relate to this podcast, which may include those every conversation that I have, not may, does include every conversation that I have with other people. That, that should be my goal in life. That should be in every way that should be saturating my life. And uh, that maybe that's subconsciously why I picked up that book. I don't know. Uh, it might have just been on sale. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess what you're describing is um, in no small way. Like, I mean, we talk about you and I working on this podcast every single day. And, and I, I one day someone's going to realize how much, how, <laughs> you know, I, I think someone who, who ends up doing a weekly podcast will realize how much work goes into one. Um, but I guess, you know, if we're going to do something every day for the podcast, I think there's no better place to start then. I mean, this is, this is weird that we're having this realization while we're talking about it. But I guess there's, there's no better place to start than doing what we're doing with each other on this podcast for everyone we ever meet. <laughs> so we, we live the converse, we live the artistic conversation. You know, we, we exude the creative, the creative path and, and we give everyone that we meet the, the ability to find their way onto that path. And then we give them the tools and the nudge that it takes to keep walking down it. I love the fact that we just came to that conclusion in, in, well, not this in real time in, <laughs> in, in front of the audience, you know, uh, that's, that's, that's thinking outside of that bubble. You know, it's like getting outside of that bubble. Uh, it took, and then maybe that's also something that's worth pointing out the importance of books and films and stuff like that, because they break you out of your bubble. You know, I, we might not have had this conversation if I hadn't been reading that book. Sure. She broke into our bubble. Right. So that's, that's a very powerful and important point, but yes, that's what we should be doing. How, uh, that's how blind spots happen in our lives. Right. Uh, maybe this, uh, in a way is the bubble too, but we, we have these blind spots where of course, Lam and I are thinking about this podcast all the time. Oh my God. How come we didn't realize that this had to do with our life? How come we, <laughs> we, we, we were purporting to want to inspire people to create, but at the exclusion of the people in our actual lives, the people who matter most to us weren't included That's, in that. Is, isn't it crazy when you say it out loud? It sounds, it sounds insane that we, it took us two years to think of that. It's embarrassing. <laughs> a little bit. What a huge blind spot. At least we got to it, though. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it's it's funny. It's so funny that we're coming to that literally in real time. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally hear you. I mean, there's now it now it just seems farcical that we just haven't thought of it up until this point. And I encourage all of you out there to do the same. Whatever your why is in life, whatever your driving purpose is, whatever, or maybe not even in life, right? Maybe your art. We'll, we'll take it to a smaller, more granular degree. Your art, your work, your career. Maybe no one ever says, uh, no one that has purpose ever calls it work. They call it a career. Um, that was a Chris Rock joke. Um, the 
whatever that is, whatever that driving principle is, I encourage you to look and see if you're living that in every way in your life. Like, and really think about what it is. You know, you might think it's, it's, uh, becoming successful. That's not a goal guys. <laughs> that That's, that's a double talk. That's, a, that's a, an illusion wrapped in an illusion. It's an idea, uh, painted with watercolors and dripping with water. There's, there's no substance to it. But why, what, what is, what is behind that? And keep digging back and keep digging back until you truly understand, um, why you're doing what you're doing. Because you may find it's different than what you think it is. Um, and it usually involves somebody more than you. You think it's about you, but when you really dig, it really has to do with other people. Uh, it always, it, it always has to do with other people in my, in when, when I'm examining it, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I agree. I, I think I don't want to be so audacious to say it is for everybody, but I, I honestly think it is for everybody. Sure. Um, but find that principle, find what that is and look at every area of your life. And, and you might find these huge blind spots like we just discovered. It, it It's, it's, <laughs> I, I'm stumbling over my words right now because I'm still just kind of like I'm thrown back by this realization right now of like, wow, you know, why why aren't we, you know, once a week texting somebody we know that's creative or um, sorry, I shouldn't say everybody's creative who's doing creative things already or wants to do creative things and just hitting them up and saying, hey, is there anything we can do for you? Is there anything we can help you with? Is there any way that we can inspire you? Any way that we can give you more exposure? Would you like us to feature your art on our Instagram or any of those things? Just reaching out to people in our lives. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So look at, wow. look around, look around guys. You, you that talk about acknowledging the difference you can make in other people's lives. Uh, it starts with actually acknowledging that it's possible by looking around and seeing all the, all the places I mean, even if you want to take out a piece of paper and write it down, something about that physical action might really reinforce those things for you. I don't know. Or, or in our particular case, continue to have the conversation. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think either of us would have come to this if we, we didn't keep talking about what we were doing with creativity and how we're working on the podcast and, and, and how important it is that, that, that the, the information that we're trying to share gets out to other people. Um, so, yeah, I mean, beyond the action itself, I mean, you know, Chad and I, have, I, I think as we do this podcast more and more, we start to realize that everything's about people. You know, everything's about the relationships that you cultivate. And every every relationship that you cultivate artistically or personally has has a component to it that allows you to inspire that person or to for that person to inspire you um, or for you to learn from that person or vice versa as well. And so I think that that one of the things that that definitely helps me, um, you know, I, I talk to Chad in either actual form or text form in three different mediums every single day. <laughs> and I think if not for the fact that we continue to have these conversations, we wouldn't have realizations like this. You know, we wouldn't have these moments where we we we, we understand our, our power um, to affect other people in, in such a way that may potentially have far reaching ramifications beyond just a, a downloaded podcast episode. And I think that that's, that's an amazing and weirdly humbling thing. It's, it's so crazy that we're coming to it 
literally on, you know, live as we're doing this. Um, but it's a humbling thing to think that we have that level of power. Um, and that's not an arrogant thing at all. I mean, if anything, it's, 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 it's a responsibility to then use that reach to do something wonderful with it. And so, you know, that's something that I encourage everyone out there to do as well is to realize, realize the power you have, um, realize what you can achieve and realize how, how little effort on your part it takes to actually achieve those things. Um, because I feel like with both Chad and I in our current situations, we wouldn't have to change much. We just have to change our approach and we have the capability of affecting so many more people. I think the blind spot for us in some way without even meaning it to is this idea of, of everything funneling towards the success of the podcast. Uh, it was, and, and what I mean by that is it was adding a step in there, right? Well, we want to do this. We want to do this because that will make the podcast successful. And we want, but why do we want the podcast successful? And sometimes you have to do things that skip that step. There's things you have to do sometimes that are about the goal that's bigger. And, and in this case, making sure that people inspired, reaching out to our friends and, and, and or just being that inspiration in in any conversation we can be a part of that has nothing to do with the podcast except that it, the that conversation and the podcast have the same goal but that is not going to in any way help uh make this podcast more successful because it's not about the podcast it's about the bigger goal and that that that's the blind spot that we all get caught up in i think that that's part of the reason that we live in bubbles. And I think it's part of the reason that uh, we have such an angry political climate across the world is because we we get caught up in the little things and we forget about what the big goals. And like Lamb said, the big goal is other people. You know, people are upset about, some people are upset about uh, the morality uh, of America degrading. And some people are upset about uh, the threat of terrorism. And some people are upset about uh, the belief that right now that the country is becoming fascist. But why are they all upset about those things? They're upset about those things because they think that something's going to happen as a consequence. That's not the end result. The end result is that the world will be a, a more awful place to live in. That's what they're all really afraid of, is that the world will be a more awful place to live in, that it will be full of fear or full of hate, or that it will be full of, uh, of people being subjected to other people's beliefs. That's what the fear is. And when they start to realize the bigger goal, maybe they can get over those small things and start doing things to tackle the big stuff. And that's, that's using their mind in a creative way. And maybe it's not in the way that we normally use it, but good God, that's the real problem is we're all stuck. We're, we're all looking at the, the corners uh, and we're not looking at the, the, the square, the cube in our hands. We're just looking at the corners and wondering if they're sharp. We need to look at the whole cube. We need to turn it over. We need to see all of the sides. Well, it's, it, it goes back to something that I mentioned a couple of episodes ago. And I, I think that it, this is something that, that, I really encourage everyone to to take a second and 
think as to whether they're actually doing this or not, which is as you would get older and as your problems get bigger and bigger, as they feel like they get bigger and bigger, the world becomes smaller to you. You know, like I said, you, you start seeing the city when you're a kid or you start seeing like the, the horizon when you're a kid. You see a, the city itself when you're a teenager and you realize how cool and amazing and epic it is to have all these giant buildings or whatever it may be. Then as you get older, you start to see just streets and then you eventually just see neighborhoods and then you see your house. And then you see just one particular room in your house that you feel is your safe place. And I feel like the the key to being able to to share and being able to do what Chad and I are talking about and, and, and to, to, to realize where you are in the world and the effect that you have in the world, you have to see the horizon again. You have to take those steps back and you have to allow your imagination to be free. You have to allow yourself to, 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 to escape from, from the fear that keeps you in that safe little room that you create for yourself. Um, and, and, and yeah, so I mean, for me, it's, it's, I, I'm trying every single day to take that hard step back. Um, and I feel like I'm, I'm halfway back. Um, I, I, I'm still a little stuck in my world, but the more you can take steps outside of the world you've created, the more, the more free you are to, 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 to see the world that, that you can live in. Um, and I think that's really, really important. Yeah. I, there's just no, no, no way that we can emphasize how, how important all of that is. So normally we would end these episodes with the words of wisdom, but I feel like in a way the whole second half of this episode was words of wisdom. And like I said, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want this to become formulaic. I don't want to continually do the same thing over and over again. So I'm going to ask you guys to do something that we don't do very often, which is, to subscribe if you're not already subscribed to this to share this episode because i believe that there's value in here for people around you and in your life so share this episode with them they don't have to subscribe but share this episode with them to get this idea in their head as well and lamb is there any any requests or anything that you want to say before we we end the episode uh yeah um i would love to not really offer issue a challenge, but I, I I would like to to give all of you something that I'm working on um, that I think that you should try as well, which is pick a movie you really like and pick a song you really like and try to start conversations with complete strangers about them and give them an in if they yeah. haven't seen it, right? Yeah, maybe 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 practice practice being able to describe it to somebody who doesn't who hasn't seen it. Yeah, it's a fascinating exercise. Just describe. Just, you'd be amazed. I've I've tried it three or four times already, actually, and it's it's you know in the last week, and the the it's it's amazing how much better you get at conversation by doing that. <laughs> yeah, and if you want, you can practice by telling people about this podcast too. Try describing this sure. podcast. It's a little weird. <laughs> sure, we talk about creativity, but maybe it's also self help. But you know that's that's what that's what makes describing it so much fun though is you, it's it's whatever it is that you need it to be for you you know right exactly and also something I don't know if I've ever mentioned on here and uh, I'm just going to mention it we have a Patreon page oh it's yeah. always linked <laughs> in the episodes if you guys if you guys uh, are finding value in this and you want to help support us 
That would be amazing. We would love that. Um, I'm not going to push it and make it a commercial. I'm just going to mention it because we never do. <laughs> I don't think we've had it in the show notes. We haven't had it in the show notes for like 10 episodes. We should probably put it in there. No, I think it's in the show notes every episode. Oh, is it really? How am I not seeing yeah. it? Oh, uh, it's got to be at the bottom. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I see it, it should be. So go out there. Find that, like Lamb said, find the horizon. That's the future. Look for the future. And uh, in your future, maybe next week or the week after, from us, there will be an episode on the Coen Brothers. Oh, <laughs> my